Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald. Like many in academia, political scientist Veronica Womack discovered her calling in the classroom. Responding to a lecture on extreme poverty in urban areas, Womack asked the professor what could be done to alleviate poverty experienced in America's rural black belt. The response, nothing. To quote that professor, there's no hope for the black belt. The only thing you can do with the black belt is give everyone a one-way ticket out. My guest has made a career, and I would venture to say a life, of proving that professor wrong. For 20 years, Dr. Veronica Womack has researched rural America focusing on the underdeveloped South. She is the author of the book Abandonment in Dixie, Underdevelopment in the Black Belt, and she's now standing up Georgia College's Rural Studies Institute as its first executive director. She's joining me today to talk about rural development and how she hopes to make it more equitable and effective in the 21st century. Dr. Veronica Womack, thank you for joining me again on Georgia College Connections. Thank you for having me. Now, to start off our conversation, where does the plight of rural Americans set within the larger trajectory of modern humanity? I would say that rural development in the Black Belt sits in the present, but is defined by the past. So when we look at most of our rural places in this country, whether they're in the Black Belt or in other places, those are places who have changed over time, but not changed enough to keep up with world changes. So you may have communities like those in, in Georgia who in the past have been, been very successful communities during an agricultural economy or a manufacturing-based economy, but today are ill-equipped to tap into a global market. So the past is present in our rural places. And until we prepare these places to be successful in our present day, we'll continue to repeat bad decisions of the past. So we all know what we're talking about. Can you tell me, what is the Black Belt? The Black Belt is a crescent-shaped group of rural counties that extend from eastern Texas to the eastern shores of Virginia, also described as the old Confederate South. And so these are counties that were very rich during the agricultural economy. They were very rural. They're places where you'll find a large number of African-Americans so, for example, in the country, African-Americans are roughly 13% of the overall population. But in some of these counties, you may have an African-American population of 60 up to 70% African-American. And so the history of African-Americans providing free labor for the agricultural economy of the Black Belt still shapes the demographics of those communities even today. 
And so those communities typically were communities that did not build up its infrastructure. It was very extractive development. And as a result of that, over time, uh, many of those communities did not keep up with the changing technology, the changing economic structure of other places around the country. And so here we are now in the 21st century, and we have these counties that may be very rich in culture, in people who work very hard, but those communities may not be equipped to deal with the economy that we presently have. Are there other commonalities that these places share um, across uh, what is a very large swath of the geographic United States? The Black Belt has a very unique history. It's very similar, those counties, in many ways in terms of voting patterns, in terms of culture, food ways, in terms of homogeneous religion. That's often a, a big part of the life there. The dual education system, many of which started with segregation academies after Brown. And so you have a very unique history that makes up those Black Belt places. And that history is reflected in over 300 counties. Some researchers will go as high as 600 counties, depending on the researcher and how they define it. I typically look at counties that are 30% African-American or more, rural, and other indicators, but from 300 to 600 counties would make up the American Black Belt. When we think about where we are here in Baldwin County, mm-hmm. you know, we are a rural community, but Georgia College, we take a lot of students from the Atlanta metro area. Uh, many of our employees, uh, faculty members, uh, we may uh, be from urban areas mm-hmm. or even commute back and forth to them. Is there a disconnect um, on these two uh, differing sides of the urban-rural divide in America that makes it hard to talk about um, perhaps the shared challenges mm-hmm. or the distinct challenges and distinct possibilities that we have? Almost oh, definitely. Maybe a month ago, there was a little bit of fuss on Fox News Channel about a lecturer at the University of California, Berkeley, who had talked negatively about rural people. And I think for many people, they have a particular stereotype in their head about people who live in rural places. And so there's often a disconnect about how life should be lived, a hierarchy in terms of of place and space. And rural places oftentimes are perceived as places that only certain types of people are left behind in. And we really want to change that with the Rural Studies Institute because rural places are fabulous places to live. But there has to be opportunities there in order for young people in particular to want to to stay. Uh, So what we have now in many of our rural places is brain drain. So the young people, the vibrancy of the community, will go off to college and are not able to return because there are few opportunities in rural places for them. So even those students from Georgia College who would like to stay in Milledgeville, I've had a number of them that love this town and love this community and would love to stay here, 
But we've got to create opportunities to provide them if they are to stay. Otherwise, we'll continue the trend of young people, even people who grew up in Milledgeville, in Baldwin County, in Hancock, in Twiggs, in Wilkinson, who would stay home. Not everybody is going to stay home. But for those who want to stay, what opportunities have we afforded them for them to be able to stay so that they don't have to all go to Atlanta? They don't have to all go to Columbus or to Savannah or out of the state and take their brain resources with them. And so hopefully we can come up with creative ways, creative approaches to developing rural places so that young people will be attracted to them. If you're just joining us, we are talking with Dr. Veronica Womack. Uh, she is a political scientist and a researcher of rural America. We're talking to her about Georgia College's new Rural Studies Institute. She is its first executive director, and she's also planning a an event later this month that will bring other scholars and other people concerned with the future of the rural South to Georgia College on February 27th. Uh, we've got more to talk about, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we are talking about rural development on the occasion of a new institute at Georgia College. It is the Rural Studies Institute. And we're talking with its first executive director, Dr. Veronica Womack, a political scientist here on the faculty corps at Georgia College. In that last segment, we ended on a note talking about the possibilities, the possibilities to be realized in ways that we will try to forge a path to bring not only highly developed communities like our own Milledgeville and Baldwin County, but all of those surrounding us and making up this large swath of America, uh, the rural black belt. Now, we're kind of talking about many different eras of the past, but I wanted to continue with that last thought about uh, building the future. And mm -hmm. by asking you, how do you hope to recast the way rural economic development is practiced? Well, I'm hoping that through the RSI, the Rural Studies Institute, that we can carve out a unique niche for Georgia College in that we focus on building a generation of leaders who are equipped to tackle present-day issues in rural America. Oftentimes when we look at academia and rural development, it's typically housed in either your land-grant institution. So in Georgia, we have both 
Fort Valley State University and the University of Georgia as our land grant institutions, who in both of those focus a lot on rural America or rural places in Georgia through their extension programs. And then you have ABAC, which typically focuses on agriculture. Well, Georgia College is not a land-grant institution, and it's also not an agricultural school. But we have a lot to offer in terms of leadership development. And that's something that is very important in rural America and is needed. So our rural communities need resources and training beyond, you know, just extension and beyond uh, some of the, the other services that are being offered. They need those, too. But I feel like there are areas that we as the Public Liberal Arts University can provide. And with our focus on leadership development and building leadership skills, we certainly can play a vital role in preparing rural Georgia to meet the challenges of the 21st century and develop leaders that are equipped to be able to do that. So Georgia is very unique in that it has two very distinct rural places. So you have the Black Belt of Georgia and you have Appalachia. And the difference between Appalachia and the Black Belt is that Appalachia has benefited from the Appalachian Regional Commission, the ARC, since 1965. So that is a federal regional commission that was created to address underdevelopment in the Appalachian region. The Black Belt region has not had that investment. And so I'm hoping that through the RSI that we can lead efforts to bring resources, whether human or technical assistance, to Black Belt communities and and really be a, a hub for rural innovation. And I think that will definitely be our contribution. Now, when you talked about another existing model uh, focused on the Appalachian region of the United States uh, versus our, um, in my mind, I think of uh, the Appalachians as being uh, more mountainous um, Mm -hmm. and the Black Belt and descending even farther south, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. to be more plains and, you know, these wide open fields, Mm -hmm. um, farmland as we could uh, typically think it. Um, What are the other distinctions that draw those two um, when you think about the model of development that you would like to uh, champion and lead uh, through the RSI or Rural Mm -hmm. Studies Institute? Am I thinking about them in, in a just too much of a geographic way? Or are there other distinctions about the ways that we would want to unlock the potential of these distinct parts of our state? Well, I think that you are definitely on to something. Uh, the Appalachian region has definitely benefited from a f- targeted development approach through the ARC. Now, I'm not saying that the ARC is perfect. I'm saying that The ARC has been used to build the physical infrastructure of Appalachia. So when you look at the bridges, the roads that have been built, the monies that have been given to Appalachian counties for infrastructure building, Appalachia also has dedicated itself to preserving its culture and using its culture as an economic development strategy. 
so I think that when we when we actually look at how Appalachia is moving forward, many of the components of their economic development strategy would work in the Black Belt. But of course, the Black Belt is a distinct region. So the prescription for the Black Belt would need to be based on the Black Belt itself, right? So I'm very excited about the possibility of developing strategies, economic development strategies that are unique to the Black Belt. However, you ask the question about some of the similarities between the Black Belt region and the Appalachian region. And we certainly have some similarities. So many of the people in the Appalachian region for generations worked in coal mines. When you work in coal mines, you didn't necessarily have to create an educational infrastructure for your workers, right? That was the only game in town. So the coal mine company would come in, they would set up shop, they would provide the people with work, the food, the clothing, everything was a part of the company. The company was all-encompassing. But when that company left, It was replaced by a new company that did the same thing. Eventually, they stopped coming. So what happens to a group of people who, from one generation to the next, knew one industry? And how do you develop strategies to ensure that those people are prepared for an economy that's based on knowledge and technology? Very similar to the Black Belt region which historically was an agriculturally based economy that did not need a extensive educational infrastructure for its people, right? So those folk in the Black Belt who worked in agriculture for generations, when agriculture was replaced by low-skill, low-wage manufacturing, they still could make a living, right? So you may not be in a field. You now are in a low-wage, low-skill manufacturing job. You have your benefits. But now we're in a knowledge-based economy that requires retooling, re-educating, retraining our people for future jobs. So we've got to build an infrastructure that allows for a very versatile workforce, and for an economy that's not just one industry specific. And that will require some planning. But we can do it. And we're going to leave now on that note. Uh, If you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're talking to Dr. Veronica Womack. She's a political scientist here at Georgia College. And she is the first executive director of Georgia College's Rural Studies Institute. We've got more to talk about in Georgia College Connections, so please stay tuned.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm joined in the studio today by Dr. Veronica Womack. She is a political scientist at Georgia College, uh, but she is now the first executive director of Georgia College's new Rural Studies Institute. Uh, we've been talking about uh, developing the potential uh, for the future of our region of this great country. And um, throughout the earlier parts of the conversation, we've talked about different aspects of that. But um, I wanted to keep the focus on the future um, by asking you this question about the present, which is uh, what are the tools and resources you hope to leverage toward the rural economic development that you want to see? There's a couple of tools that I, I know that we want to focus on and we would like to provide. Mainly developing experts in rural culture, in rural implementation of policy, in, in rural life. So being able to host scholars and fellows that are dedicated to rural places and building a body of literature, a body of research around rural innovation, rural leadership is very, very important. We're also interested in documenting the history, the, the, the present, the culture, the uniqueness of rural places. And what better way to do that than a university? We're also interested in tapping into the knowledge base of, of community people. Uh, in my opinion, the best experts of rural places are rural people. And so how do we, as uh, experts at Georgia College, leverage the community's knowledge in order to solve community problems? So how can we utilize more non-traditional research approaches like community based participatory research that engages community leaders as experts and as partners in finding solutions to the challenges of rural places. So I think Georgia College, with all of the experts that's already doing that, we can definitely focus some of our energies in that direction. In addition to that, we definitely want to provide technical assistance to rural places. So there's varying stages of rural places. Typically, the smaller the rural place, the lack of economic development infrastructure. So there are communities in Georgia that do not have your traditional economic development entities, such as a chamber or an economic development authority or board. And so how can we help them develop structures that can assist them as they develop their communities. In addition, you have communities that may, if you look at a grant application, uh, they may be eligible, but they may not have a grant writer, or they may not be fiscally set up to be able to deal with a large amount of money. So how can we provide technical assistance to those places? We hope to be an entity that can do that for for rural places. We're definitely interested in being a hub of innovation and bringing rural thought leaders to Georgia College in a way to develop economic development strategies that focus on the uniqueness of rural places. I think that's something that, that's lacking. You know, over the break, we talked a little bit about Atlanta and how Atlanta developed and oftentimes people 
are under the misconception that Atlanta just happened. No, Atlanta was strategically planned by both political and business leaders. And so we have got to create environments in rural places where we can have those kinds of strategy meetings and conversations to develop rural places. And oftentimes leaders need to be developed in order to see that picture or to come together regionally or come together in a cooperative approach. And I think we can leverage our resources, our energies, our expertise to help facilitate some of that. And so I see that as a real focus of the RSI. As you mentioned, we were talking about um, the story of the city of Atlanta uh, Mm -hmm. during our break. And, you know, in that story of Atlanta, as well as many of the other urban spaces um, across our nation, it seems like there's becoming a narrative of inevitability in that this uh, rural brain drain is happening Mm -hmm. and moving towards those cities. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that uh, becoming a a narrative that's unstoppable? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing aspects where that is a prevailing media narrative, but it doesn't really describe the truth of what is happening in our rural areas in that all of the talents going uh, to the cities or are there people who are uh, going back to the rural places? Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I think that we are examples of people who have chosen to stay in rural places and actually enjoy living here. I think that maybe the media narrative is the opposite uh, because we don't have a lot of people who work in national media, per se, living in those kinds of places. And so they're often covering the narrative that they understand. I think it's very important for us to have a conversation about rural places and what is happening there, because there are people moving to rural places and would continue to move to rural places if there was an infrastructure for them to do so. For example, uh, the need for broadband service in rural places opens up possibilities for people who may want to blog or may want to sell their products online Uh, having that option because they have broadband services to do so. So I think rural innovation and the narrative of rural places is dependent on a strategic approach of development. Uh, And I think there has to be a conversation about that. Uh, Also about why people move to urban places. There was an article that talked about students with student loan debt and how Typically, the more student loan debt that young person had, the more likely they were to go to an urban environment, not because they necessarily wanted to, but because they would receive higher pay there. The possibilities were there. And so it's not necessarily always a choice of the person to go to these urban places. But if we're not providing alternatives in rural places, they don't have a choice. And I think it's very critical now because we now have a generation of baby boomers, a huge generation that is retiring. And many of them are located in some of our rural places. So 
how are we going to care for that generation in rural places if we don't prepare? And, of course, develop the next set of leaders who will Most take definitely. those pivotal roles within Most communities definitely. across the country. If, exactly. Um, and, of course, we've alighted on a place that I enjoy, which is talking about the media. Uh, you, mm-hmm. of course, have created media of your own mm-hmm. to give light to the messages that you're bringing out there. I was wondering mm-hmm. if you might share um, mm-hmm. anything that uh, you um, have heard along mm-hmm. your travels in your conversations with people oh, uh, that illustrate uh, some of the points that you feel are so important yes. uh, to realizing the potential of our rural places. Well, I received a USDA grant to focus on African-American farmers, and I was doing research around that topic within the Black Belt. And what I noticed was that a number of those farmers were over the age of 65. And I really saw a disconnect between the young generation of people and their approaches to communication and to life which was very different than many of the farmers that I talked to. And so I decided to put together a website called Black Farmers Network that would show young people, young African-Americans in particular, other farmers that may be of their age, that there are a wide variety of people. And so I think it's important for the story of rural places to be accurate, to dispel stereotypes. As we started this segment, we talked about how many people have a fixed idea about rural people and rural places. And many times those ideas are not positive. And so it's important for the media to portray rural places as varied. They're not homogeneous. So using the web to show the stories and share the stories of not just farmers who are over 65, but also young farmers who are really uh, dedicated to farming, dedicated to land, to healthy living, and showing the possibilities is very important for rural places and rural people. And so I think the media can play a tremendous role. I had the pleasure of speaking with uh, Sarah Smarsh in her home, the Homecomer series, which was a podcast about rural places. And we talked about this because we both are from rural communities. And oftentimes people don't understand rural places. And so they have a negative view or negative understanding of how life is live there. And so I would like to change that paradigm. As we mentioned earlier in our conversation, uh, you would be bringing people together uh, mm-hmm. later this month mm-hmm. um, to sit down and talk mm-hmm. about these issues mm-hmm. uh, face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I give you an opportunity to uh, tell us about mm-hmm. uh, what we will be hosting here at Georgia College mm-hmm. um, on February 27th? Well, we have the pleasure of participating in a regional initiative Uh, In 2008, uh, the Southern Crescent Regional Commission was created in the Farm Bill. Uh, And it was an entity that was created to address underdevelopment in the rural South. Uh, And so, unfortunately, that has not been fully funded. 
And so there is a group of stakeholders that are holding meetings throughout the South to discuss this commission and hopefully push for it to be funded. And I think that it's very important that we have an entity, a federal entity that's addressing underdevelopment in the rural South. Uh, Similar to the ARC, when you have an entity that can assist counties, assist cities, assist community-based organizations in the work that they're trying to do to develop our communities, then it's, it's, it's very, very important and it's, it's very necessary. Uh, and many of the people that is a part of this coalition have been working on this commission for decades, trying to get an entity for the rural South to develop it. Again, the entity that was created for the Appalachian Regional Commission was created in 1965. And so there's one other authority that has some counties in the rural South, and that's the Delta Regional Authority. But it's not all-encompassing in terms of the South and the needs of the South. So we'll have a meeting on the 27th where stakeholders will, will come and convene and talk about the commission and why the commission is important and educate people around the need for this commission or the feasibility of it. And it's very important and necessary, and it speaks to the work that the RSI will be doing, bringing people together, leveraging thought leaders, leveraging information that oftentimes rural people and rural leaders are not privy to. And so I I really see us as being a major component for change. And as we talk about building this capacity to realize our potential, how can people learn more or become involved in the work that you do and the work that um, you will be helping to direct through Georgia College's Rural Studies Institute? Well, I'm very, very excited about, um, you know, talking to people. They can certainly reach out to me, uh, invite me to talk to their community, to their organization, if they're interested in the kind of, of leadership development or training or community development and training that we hope to do here at Georgia College, I would love to partner and we can do this collaboratively. Dr. Veronica Womack, I want to thank you very much for joining me today to talk about your work and the work you will be directing at the Rural Studies Institute, uh, as well as this meeting of a coalition to see Fourth, with the work of the Southern Crescent Regional Commission. You've been listening to a conversation with political scientist Veronica Womack about the establishment of Georgia College's new Rural Studies Institute. Georgia College will host supporters of the Southern Crescent Regional Commission on Thursday, February 27th. On behalf of WRGC, I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It has been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on Georgia College Connections. I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.